You know, our soul, it, uh, it gravitates towards things and it has desires. And, and the, the desire of this world is that your soul would desire it. And I know this in my own life, and maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think I am, that occasionally struggles where I feel like my soul is drifting towards something and desiring something that, that would take the place of God's presence in my life, that would desire Him, that would desire it more than Him. And what I love about this song and songs like this is it's just the Holy Spirit saying to your soul, like, come on. There's no craving better than the craving of the presence of God in our life. And I think if we're honest, uh, just spending, you know, a, a day in a normal world, you can feel the tentacles of the world going, yeah, come on. Yeah, this is fun. and This is awesome. And before long, like your mind's in a different place and your heart's in a different place. And it's not like I don't love God. But man, the desire of my heart it's up for grabs. My salvation is not, but the desire, the deep desires of my heart, they're up for grabs every week. Is anybody with me? Every week. Every week. I have to check myself. What is the deep longings of my heart? Not at a head level, but at a soul level. What are the things that I long for? And I'll tell you, every day I wake up and it's not Jesus, if I'm honest. Because the world's just trying to grab that desire that I have. And I'll tell you what, this is a moment where we just, by the Holy Spirit, get to set again our desire on Him. We get to make a decision to say there is no craving or longing that's better than Him. And that's a decision. And then by the Holy Spirit, He just begins to reset us to say, God, one thing I desire of the Lord and that I will seek. To dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon the beauty and majesty and sweet attractiveness of the Lord. So come on, we're going to go into that uh, chorus one more time. And we're just going to, we're going to create a moment to say, Man, my desire today, my deep longing is the things of God. Doesn't matter where I was this week, where my headspace was, where I felt like my heart was today in this moment. Jesus, I long for you and I ask that you would do something in my heart where I would wake up every day. And so, yeah, once again today, I get to taste and see that God is good. So come on, let's, let's sing that chorus. I want to know you.
your spirit this is my longing, overwhelm the longing of my heart. Let your presence overtake my heart. Come on, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your presence overtake. overtake my heart yes, God. its deepest longings God or in those places where I go wayward in those places where I desire and I crave other things Holy Spirit come and may your kingdom be the greatest desire of my heart your presence your goodness and it's that declaration that we make I want to know you I want to know you above, above all things like Paul said I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him God, I thank you that that is available to us today. It's available to us. It's an invitation by your spirit to say, come on, come and know me. Know my goodness. Know my love. Know my peace. Know my joy. It is available and it's at the table today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate the Lord today. So good. So good. Oh, you guys were on today. Come on. Can we celebrate them? Yeah. Ridiculous. Hey, um, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and be seated. Before we do fellowship, I'm going to invite the kids to stay just for a minute because we have kind of something unique and special, and then we're going to have some fellowship time, and we'll release the kids, and just kind of invite the, um, the, the team to kind of keep the atmosphere of worship because um, I mentioned that we have kind of a special announcement today, and that special announcement is for the first time at Heart Church, um, we are going to recognize, install, and pray for uh, some Heart Church lay pastors. Um, we've said this from the beginning, uh, this is not a single pastor-centric church. This well, church doesn't revolve around Heather and I. Our passion and heart is to identify and raise up um, you. And not, not to say that everybody has a call to be a pastor, certainly not, but you do have a call, you have a purpose. And our, our heart and passion is to help you recognize your calling and, and, and opportunities that God would lay before you. And, um, and as the church grows, uh, we've had the privilege of being surrounded by some pretty incredible people. And we're not recognizing all those people today, but there's a few of them that have been with us for a while. And there's a clear call on their life to leadership leadership in the house, and frankly, when I, when I recognize them, you're going to say, well, of course, they've, they've been leading uh, from the beginning, and they're already leaders in this house, and we just feel like uh, there's something spiritual and powerful about the recognition of, of this, and an opportunity as a congregation, just come around along them, alongside them, pray for them, anoint them, and, uh, and really kind of release them in our environment to, to lead and to shepherd and to love, and so without further ado, I'm going to invite Derek, Fernando, and Perla, and Adam and Crystal to the stage. Come on. This is Perla's favorite moment. <laughs> Fantastic. So... 
I'm just kind of explain um, the roles that they've been in and now kind of recognizing them is, as lay pastors. Again, um, these are volunteer positions uh, as they have been volunteering. And so please thank them. Uh, everything they do is over and above their, their normal jobs. And they're just uh, incredible, incredibly gracious. What we're doing today is just a recognition of what's already been happening. Uh, and so first of all, Derek. Uh, Derek is, has an incredible mind from day one where he came to Heart Church. We were at the, the house. Um, he instantly just kind of started, hey, like if you need help with this or you need help with that or hey, I can get involved in this. And now he's got his hands on a little bit of everything. But he sits on our council. He's our treasurer. And he really has been that, that mind uh, for business, for organization that uh, has uh, helped us get where we are. And so um, Derek has been our church administrator for some time, and he's helping organizationally, sound, kids, a lot of areas. And so um, he is now our, uh, our administrative pastor at Heart Church. So um, super thankful for you. And uh, Fernando and Perla, uh, again, none of this is new, but Fernando and Perla uh, have, have had this serious call on their life. Uh, if you spend five seconds with them, you'd know what that call is uh, to people. And um, they've been leading the way before it was ever called Heart of Compassion, just in the community doing what they do uh, for no other reason than they just love people. And uh, it was kind of a beautiful, you know, like match made in heaven the moment that we met. Um, and, and, and ever since then, them being leaders in this house. And so um, they have been leading the Heart of Compassion will continue. And so there are outreach pastors. And then finally, Adam and Crystal. Uh, as you know, you know, my relationship specifically with Adam goes way back. But, um, but they, they were there at the beginning in the house. Uh, how they got introduced to Heart Church is a funny story. If you haven't heard it, we'll tell it later. But nevertheless, they came at the very beginning and, uh, and ever since then have done nothing but serve, uh, nothing but you know, come alongside us. Uh, again, why we're here today um, is largely due to this group and a few others um, that I won't mention. You know who you are. Uh, it's, it's why we're here today as a church still ticking. And so um, Adam and Crystal have a lot of different hats they wear, but um, one that's most notable and visible and where they kind of really function their power alley is worship. And so uh, they are our worship pastors. And so, um, again, um, I think in the spirit, things are going to change today because I believe in this. I believe in, in the laying on of hands. Uh, specifically for roles in, in ministry, that there's an anointing that comes that's beyond just tangible good leadership because these are good leaders and they could go anywhere and lead well. But it's different when, when there's, a, there's a special anointing and grace that God's given. And I believe that for you, this is a leveling up in the spirit. And we're going to feel that as you guys lead in that capacity. So without further ado, I'd like to invite for sure the leadership team and the council and then anyone else that just wants to um, lay hands on them to come on up and we're gonna lay hands on them and just spend a few minutes doing a little family business. If you'd like to stay seated, just extend your hand and we're just gonna pray God's blessing on them.
just go ahead and stay in this atmosphere. Go ahead and keep your hands on them. I want to pray a prayer. And I just want to recognize um, there's a kind of a general in the faith that's actually Adam's dad. And uh, he's probably watching online, uh, Cesar Ochoa. Uh, he was a pastor at the church I grew up at uh, and has, has made a huge impact actually on a lot of people uh, in the room. I'm looking at Joe over here um, and just others that he's impacted. And he wrote a prayer for all of you uh, in this commissioning because he couldn't be here. And I just want to read it. And so come on, let's just all agree that there's going to be something released um, as we agree all of us in unity that heaven would be released in a special way and so we say father in heaven we rejoice in what you've done in the lives of these incredible pillars of heart church lord you called them you've been teaching them and you have greatly used them and today they stand on the threshold of a lifetime of ministry and our prayer is that you would use them in a way beyond their highest expectations for you are able to do far abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is work within us. And today we thank you for those who've poured into them, godly men and women who have invested their lives, preparing them uniquely for this moment. We pray that you will keep them clean in the midst of a corrupt generation. Your word tells us that when you call us to do anything, you will always provide the resources needed and that they would draw deeply from the well of grace. We are, we are excited to think of how desperately they are needed in a world of hurting people. And Father, as your good shepherd, go before them and lead them by your mighty hand. Multiply their giftedness to extend and enrich your people and re reproduce in each person the heart and life of Jesus. We pray for their entire families. We pray that the Lord would bless their children and keep them. The Lord would be kind and gracious to them. The Lord would give them wisdom and grant them peace. And finally, we exhort them with Acts 20, 32. Now I commit to you, God, and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who believe. And so we agree upon these words, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Awesome. So good. So good. All right, well, it's with that that we uh, invite all of you to a few minutes of fellowship. If you want to put the music on, kids, you are released to your class.
year, millions of working American families and their children hide their struggle with hunger. But just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. We don't have a lot of food. My dad might buy food here and there, but it runs out really fast. Some days, me and my wife went without eating just to make sure the kids had enough. It's a terrible feeling as a mom, but it's a reality. Do you get the medicine? Do you get the fresh food? Do you get the pair of shoes? Or do you send them to school in November with sandals? It was eight years ago, after months of battling depression, that I lost all hope and tried to end my life. For years, I hid depression because I didn't know enough about it. When things started to get worse, I should have reached out. I didn't. Like so many others, I just pretended to be okay. Depression slowly wore me down until I just couldn't do it anymore. Suicide went from a fantasy to something I thought was just a matter of time. I couldn't keep going through the pain. I saw no other way. There's this cloak of secrecy and shame around depression that we need to get rid of. I know how hard it is to fight depression. I didn't believe I would ever recover. But look at me. I'm standing here today, living proof, telling you not to lose hope like I did. We're living in a world right now where there's so much uncertainty and for the last 18 months, people have been waiting for things to get back to normal. And in this time, people are uh, scratching their heads. They're trying to figure out what life is supposed to look like. And whenever I think about this, I think of the story where the Bible says that Jesus was walking and he saw the crowds and he saw that they were uh, just like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. And when he saw them, he was moved with compassion. God in his sovereign way connects us to people with real needs. Our position is prayer. Okay, God, we want to be used by you to bring hope, to bring life, to bring restoration to a world that is completely broken, that's lost right now. His response is love. We want to go and we want to pray and then we want to be ready to engage people with the hope of Jesus and with the love of God. We are encouraging people to go be present in their community, to go and pray and ask God to shift the atmosphere over their neighborhood, over their city, and then go to engage their neighbors in love. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I'm gonna invite Fernando and, and Lamont up because we are going to do a three-way tag team sermon today, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we make sure the lights are all the way up in the back uh, just so we can uh, see everybody. But uh, yeah, come on, these chairs are for you. Don't be bashful. Come on, let's give them a hand real quick. So um, I want to say this first, that, that, that this church has always had the heart to be right in the smack dab of our community, and I just love it because we are, and I'm looking over the faces of most of you have been to and regularly go and engage with uh, the way that we reach out to our community in multiple ways, and um, we've got some of those coming, like this coming Saturday, uh, Heart of Compassion is going to be um, in, investing and, and, and serving the uh, community there at Lansing Circle Apartments. We're going to give away 50 uh, frozen turkeys. We have like a, a turkey, frozen turkey truck coming and, uh, and then give away turkeys to families and food. And it's just going to be so cool. Uh, and praying that God continues to open up opportunities um, to get to know people, to serve their needs and, 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 and bring hope. And then uh, in, in, in uh, December, uh, how many of you guys came or at least know about the big backpack giveaway that we did here in the parking lot. So it was a huge success. Um, we served probably 500 people, gave away a crazy amount of backpacks and food, and just God used it. And so we're going to do a Christmas one where we're going to give away our goals to give away 250 toys, food, groceries, clothes, um, and, and a hot meal. 
And uh, our goal is to get 200 toys that are kind of under that $50 range, anywhere from, you know, 10 to $50. 200 of those, and the first 200 kids, you know, get one of those toys for Christmas. And then in addition to that, 50 big raffle prizes. So like that, you know, 100 to 150 to 200, like I'm thinking bikes, be cool if we had a couple big screen TVs. Like, why not? Come on. Let's give away some really cool stuff um, and just blow away our neighbors and people that are in need um, for, the, for the sake of the gospel. And so we're going to begin to um, uh, collect those toys. We're looking for 250 of those, and we're going to create a space on that back wall. Uh, unfortunately, all the couch people, I know who you are, uh, you're going to have to take a hiatus because it's going to be filled with toys back there. Um, and m- more about that. But Right now, we're going to finish our series, um, and we're going to do it in a unique way because of the uniqueness of these two guys um, and what they represent and their story. And so we're going to each take 10 minutes and unpack um, this idea of messy church, beautiful mission. So will you um, look up on the screen or in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to read a, a, a familiar passage, but it's going to really drive us today on our beautiful mission 1 Corinthians 13, and it says, if, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself in love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with the profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, And if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a Marty without the pure motivation of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Verse 13, but there is three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. So above all, let love be the beautiful prize for which we run. Father God, we ask that you'd come by your spirit and you'd speak to us. And Lord, that you would open up and illuminate your word. God, that you'd open up our eyes to see. And ultimately, more than anything, that you would help us realize this beautiful mission that you've invited us into to be a part of the incredible things that you're doing right here in our city. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Mission is beautiful, but it's messy. Um, And what I want you to know today is that though you're going to be ministered to today, I want you to be reminded that you're a minister. And I think that if we're honest, we spend most of our time discounting that reality. And whether you've been in church a long time or whether this is kind of like, you know, you're just tiptoeing back in, we're all in the same boat in the sense that we don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we have much to offer. And so when it comes to missions or service or, 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 or this great mission, it's like, okay, I can give and maybe I'll attend event, but like, really, do I have a lot to offer? And I think you're going to see today that you are just the person God needs, Amen. uniquely suited. We're going to read one more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, it's one of my favorites because he says, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Then, when they have trouble, we will be able to give them the same comfort as God's given. And so I think that the message today is clear. If you've been comforted, then you're invited to the mission. If you've been comforted. Our mission is marked by faith, hope, and love. Go ahead and put that up there. Faith says, I believe in you. Hope says, I will extend to you. And love says, I see you. And we're going to rattle through this pretty quickly, but these are the things that are going to mark our messy mission. Faith says, I believe in you. Hope says, I'm not just going to say I believe in you. I'm not just going to stand at a distance and say, I see you. But hope says, I'm going to actually get in the game. I'm going to extend to you. 
And then love says, I I know you might feel alone, but I see you. And more importantly, God sees you. And so I'm going to take for the next few minutes this idea of faith. And our mission is faith. And faith says, I believe in you even when you don't. Most of the time we associate faith with faith in God. But God's word says that love believes all things. Belief is an incredibly powerful tool that God uses for humanity. And if you've never tried it in marriage, it totally works there. How many spouses who've ever been believed in would say amen? It's a powerful tool. It's one of the gifts that God has given us to love and care for and champion others and call them up, this upward call. And if you've ever been called up by anybody, it's an amazing feeling because it's this feeling like, wow, you believe something that I can't right now believe for me, but clearly you see something about me that I don't see. And so somehow I'm asking the faith that you have for me to have myself so that I can begin to make that trek upward. It's beautiful. It's because of our faith in God and his redemptive work that he uses us as instruments to believe in people. But belief is messy because we don't believe in people based on their merit. We believe in people based on God's merit. So it's messy. If we believed in people based on their merit, then there'd be certain people you believe in. And then there would be a whole other crew of people that you don't because they haven't earned it. And yet we are instruments of reconciliation. We are vessels that channel this belief that God has. I don't know if you've ever, you've ever seen The Count of Monte Cristo, um, the one with Jim Caviezel, but there's this moment where, you know, he's in this dungeon and, you know, the, guy, the old guy's about to die and, he, you know, he's talking to him about God and he's like, I don't believe in God. And the old man, you know, the, the um, one that used, played, played Moses in the film, anyway, uh, he goes, it's okay. God believes in you. It's okay that you don't have faith right now because God has faith in you. And so we sow seeds. We sow seeds of belief. I love you. I believe in you. God believes in you. You're, you're worth more than that. And we sow seeds. And how many of you know that the sower sowed seeds on four different soils and only one of them unfortunately bears fruit. And so it is with our lives. How many of you have sown into some soil and it didn't produce? At least not in your time frame in the way you thought it would. Anybody with me? Anybody put yourself out there and you're like, you know what? I'm going to believe in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come alongside you. And then it just didn't work out. How many have ever been hurt in those moments? Have you ever extended to somebody? And then they ended up hurting you. And I'll tell you what, like this is, this is the most profound and yet the hardest thing to do about this messy mission. And that is we get to step into the lives of people and go, you know what? I believe in you and it's okay if you don't have the capacity right now to extend back to me. Love me, care for me. Some bear fruit, and sometimes we get burned. I have this ridiculous, um, irresponsible goal in life. And I, I wasn't always like this. In fact, I started early in ministry to get a little bit jaded because, you know, when you work with people, it's just hard, and it's easy to get jaded. Anybody with me? Like, you, 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 you associate with people every once in a while, don't you? And so you know. You, you rub shoulders with enough people, and eventually you're just like, ah, that, that kind of hurt. Right? You're kind of prickly. And I, like, I, I, gave, I, I can put myself out there, and it just didn't come back the way I, was, I thought it would. And it's easy to just go, you know what? I'm going to live in a bubble, and I'm only going to give myself to people who've like, earned that trust and aren't going to hurt me because I don't want to get hurt. And Jesus came and said, it's okay. 
hurt me. Because I love you. And so I have this irresponsible goal. And that is, I want to be overly trusting. I want to be overly optimistic. Almost gullible in the way I believe for people. I want to put my heart out there every time, even when it gets hurt and even when it gets burned. And when I get hurt, when I get burned, I go and I get mended and I get healed and then I want to go back out there and go, here it is again. I want to believe in you. I want to have optimism for people. And it's in a, in a world and society that everyone's a victim and everyone's guarded. It's so profound and so refreshing when you live a life. To just, and I'm not saying to be irresponsible, right? I have that irresponsible goal, but I'm not saying be irresponsible. But from a heart level to just say, you know what? I'm just going to choose to believe in people. And, and, and that's the first step in this beautiful mission is to look into the eyes of people and go, you know what? You don't have to earn my belief. Through the eyes of love, Jesus believes in you. And I do too. So we're just the messenger. We're just God's messenger to people. And so we're going to transition from faith to hope. And I'm going to introduce Fernando. Well, I'm not going to introduce him because he's going to share for himself. And he's going to talk for 10 minutes about a little bit of his story and about this idea of hope that extends. So without further ado, Fernando. Oh, man. Speaking of messiness, look at us. I think Shane just wanted to have a physical representation of what messy looks like. <laughs> so he decided to bring up Lamont and Fernando up here so you can have the clear idea what messy looks like. Lamont is probably like, speak for yourself, right? <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's awesome just to be part of a church that is messy. If you don't understand me, I, this is my first time I share in English, so bear with me. I want to ask Nathan to que me sople de allá, si una palabra no me sé. So, um, yeah, uh, belonging to a messy church, is, it's amazing, you know, for a church to openly say, you know what, we're, we're messy, we're dysfunctional family sometimes, but at the same time, we're here to love you, we're here to give you hope, we're here to mend your wounds, and uh, you guys did that to me when we first came to our church. You know, you guys just uh, love us from the first moment. We came from a broken church, we came uh, hurt, we came broken, but you decide to love our family, and we're here, and, and we're happy to be part of of this amazing church where we say, like, no matter where you come from, we decided to love you for who you are and not for what you can bring to the table. And I was telling that to Oscar, and he was like, eh, you know, you're saying that because you're doing ministry out there, and they probably, they find you useful, and they're going to use you, you know, but what, what, what are they going to do to me, you know? I, I, he was like, man, if they can love me, they can love you, you know? And, and, and we're here, and he's here, and, and I love that guy. So it's, it's great. Uh, Pastor Shane wanted me to share a little bit of my story. My story is not that exciting as some of yours. Uh, it's no different than some of yours. But I think uh, my story is about redemption. And I think when your story really start making sense is when God becomes part of that picture. When God comes to your life, when you said, oh, my story is boring, my story, uh, is, my life has been broken, my life has been miserable, my life has been the worst, but then God jumps in in the picture and you'll be like, now that darkness becomes light, all that pain, it becomes joy, and then your life starts taking shape and you say like, this is awesome. And then you start seeing God's fingerprints all throughout your life, and you look back and you say, 
this is amazing. This is an amazing journey. And for me, just to see that in my life, it was life-changing, you know. Uh, God came to the picture to my family when, at the worst moment of our lives. It was a dark time. It was a bad time. And God showed up. And the time when, when God came to, to our lives, it was a time of darkness, hopeless, hopelessness, and, and really, uh, it was bad. It was the time when my dad passed away. I was about probably five years old, and uh, I come from a, from a little village in, in the Querétaro. I don't know if you know Mexico. Querétaro is like central. That's a picture from uh, Google. So it's up in the Sierra, up in the mountains, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, <clears throat> we come from a we come from a family of uh, farmers. We live off the land. I was a pastor back then of sheep. <laughs> it, <laughs> I was all those mountains that you see up there. That that was my playground. And uh, at five years old. Eight years old, I was like up in the mountains by myself, taking care of my sheep and uh, harvesting in the land. You know, it was it was a fun time. You know, uh, that we were innocent. I now that I look back, I was like, how did I do that? You know, I, I was I I would leave in the morning, spend the whole day in the mountains. I would look for the tallest mountain. I would look for the tallest tree. And I would climb it. I would make it my goal just to go up there and jump on it. And I was like. What if I fell, you know? What if nobody would know where I was? But it was my innocence. So <clears throat> my dad, uh, he was a miner. He worked on a mine probably like 10 miles away from the house. And obviously, you see the mountains. He had to walk through the mountains. It was a really narrow path to go back and forth. He would leave around 4 in the morning. I remember the last time I saw him leaving, I just like kind of woke up. Took a glance at him. He was leaving. He turns on his lamp and leaves home. And um, that was the last time I saw him. Uh, uh, he didn't make it back home. On his way back home, he uh, he uh, he was coming home with his friend. I mean, back then, drinking was like a normal day for them. You know, it's like they'll drink ferment and stuff and alcohol, whatever they can find, instead of water. So I don't know if he was drunk. I don't know if he... We're goofing around with his friend, but he fell off the, the path. He rolled down the hill, probably about 300 feet, and um, he ended up way down there. And his friend, he tried to go pull him up. He couldn't. So he had to. Uh... So this is my little town, which says Maravillas. On that other dot right there, that's where my house is. And... Uh, so my dad used to work like back up there where it says Street View. That was the mine. So he used to walk all those mountains coming home. So his friend rushed to help him, but he couldn't get him out. He was all broken, you know, down there in the middle of nowhere. So he rushed back and uh, comes home, comes all the way running to this town. So it took him probably an hour just to get there to find help. And he left them by himself. And um, he found help with a person in town, in the village, that he was a Christian. That guy, that way, that those, the, this family uh, already came to, to the U.S. They received the Lord here. And um, they were the only family with the truck. So this guy came to them, get a truck, try to get my dad out. And um, so to make the story short, it took him about three hours to try to get him out because the, the mountain's too high. They couldn't get him down to the road. And uh, my dad passed uh, on his way to the, to the nearest hospital, which is way up there. You see that? Where, in this corner right here, that's the nearest hospital right there. So he, he fell like in the middle of this red line right here, trying to make it home take the truck and rush him to the nearest hospital, and uh, he didn't make it. So it was like a really, I mean, at my young age, it was 
I couldn't perceive the magnitude of it. We're a family of nine brothers. I am number seven, seven of nine. And I, I was a little kid, but it was tough for my mom just to now I'm left with nine kids by myself. You know, it, was, it, it would have been pretty tough, you know. But in the middle of all that, the point of my story is that looking back at it, is that this, this family stuck up with us, this guy. Uh, his name is Eusebio and his wife. And uh, my mom accepted the help. They, they, after that day, they never left us. They, they gave us hope. We started to get invited to uh, have fellowship with them. They started sharing the faith. They started uh, helping my mom and, and anything we needed, pretty much. So that was a turning point. That was a turning point for us because even though we were broken, even though we were in a desperate situation, um, this guy introduced God to us. And I think that's how we survived. I mean, for me, I wouldn't imagine myself growing up without my dad and be like, I wouldn't be here if, uh, if this person would not take the time to invest in us. And uh, we found healing, we found hope, we found fellowship through this person who decided to invest his time and, and help us out. So after that, you know, growing up in a, in a harsh environment, I think uh, God was shaping my, myself for, for ministry. Uh, growing in a, being hard to being a Christian in, in that time, it was pretty tough because we, that was a really hardcore uh, Catholic uh, people, you know. My, my grandpa, when they came to the house, he was like, you, are, you guys are no longer welcome in my house, you know. He was disowning my mom. I was there when he said that. We were, uh, <clears throat> we were doing services at different houses throughout the village, and, and uh, people literally came over with the gun and be like, you better shut up or we're going to kill somebody right here. So I remember one day this guy came to the door, we were having like full band music, just kidding. We didn't have any instruments. We were only using our hands and singing as loud as we could. And this guy lived like probably like 20 minutes away. I don't know how he heard us, but he showed up at the door. It was dark. It was at night. And he came out with a rifle and he stands at the door. I was like, you guys better shut up or I'm going to kill somebody right now. And I was like, oh, shoot, I better run under my bed, you know. But people... There was probably about 20 or less women, old women, and they should stand up and lift up their hands and like start praying for this guy. And this guy just like walks back, back, and we have a retaining wall from the house, and he just fell off the, 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 the retaining wall, and he disappeared. He literally disappeared. And uh, I mean, witnessing this stuff, it was like, life-giving for me. I've seen lives changed. I've seen miracles. I've seen how God has worked, yeah. you know, and, and growing up in a place of need, I always, I always, I was taught that you got to make yourself useful. Uh, my mom always said, like, sea comedido, you know, always find something to do. You got to earn what you eat. You got to earn. If you go to a house, you, uh, you got to help that house. You got to earn. If they're going to feed you, you got to earn your food. So we always grew up like that, even though I never considered myself like being really good at something. You know, like speaking, I'm not a good speaker. I've served in all types of stuff at church. I've sing, even I suck singing. <laughs> and uh, not like, you know, Crystal has a beautiful voice. You can see that she's, she's a natural, right? But for me, it was like, I always struggle because I feel like, well, I'm not good at something, like really, really good, you know, where I could say, I'm good at this. But I always put myself up there because 
God told me, you know, if I was, I'm constantly fighting God because I asked him, like, there's a lot of people that could do a better job than me, that could be really good at. Why not use them, you know? But at the same time, when God uses my incompetence, my inability, God always gets glorified. God always does something. So, and that makes me wanting for more. You know, right now I'm shaking, right now I'm trembling. But if my story can help you be like, I want, I want to do something for God, that is totally worth it. That is totally worth it, my shame, you know. So I want to encourage you, encourage you, surrender your likeness, your darkness, your failures to God, and he's going to make beauty out of it. I remember last week, this pastor, he was pretty graphic. But if you remember, he was like, what makes plants grow, become beautiful? And he literally say it, right? But, and that's, that's true. You know, God can make beautiful things out of our messiness, you know. So I tell you today, surrender God your fertilizer, and he's going to make beautiful things out of it, you know. Bring it to the cross. Bring it down there. You know, you don't have to do anything. You just tell God, you know, here it is. I lay it down at your knees, and you're going to do something with it. So... That's, that's the point of the story. You know, it, would, it would not make any difference if we just like, it's not about me. It's about the work that he wants to do through me and through you. Okay. And, and he wants to do the same thing with you. I want to I read this verse just to close. I was, one day I was dreaming. I was teaching about this verse. And that was the first time I thought about this verse, then I woke up and went and read my Bible. I was like, what is this about? But that kind of opened my, my eyes to the big picture, you know? So it says, therefore, if, any, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And that's what it's all about. Our sins have been forgiven. He doesn't say, first you have to get it together, then I can give you the ministry, right? He said he's not counting your sins against you. Right now you can walk out and say, like, I'm free. I'm free to minister others. I'm free to give hope to others. I'm free. You don't have to get it together. And I know there's people that might say, I'm too good. That's the other opposite side, right? Those who got it together, the, the religious ones that say, I'm more, like the verse Pastor Shane was saying, you know, I'm a prophet. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm, uh, I'm too good for these type of people to get down and get dirty. But it says... If you're not sharing your faith, if you're not giving hope, if you're not reconciling people with God, if you don't love, you're nothing. So that's the opposite side. You might think, I don't have anything. Or you might say that I have it all. But at the same time, you know, that ministry has given to you by God. If you think that you didn't have anything, like some of us struggle with thinking that, oh, I don't have a ministry. Oh, I don't have a gift. Oh, I don't know what to, what's my role in the church? That's, that's it right there. Yeah. He has given you the ministry, the word. He has committed it to you to reconcile other people to God. And that is for you and for me. God bless you. These guys are too hard acts to follow. My time has been cut short. But that's okay, because what Fernando had to say is way more important than what I got to say. But our testimony is everything. And we all got here on a testimony. My testimony is no different than anybody else's testimony. But Shane gave me love for a reason. I think the epitome of the gospel is to love on each other. Period. Hands down. Um, 
St. Augustine had a quote that I love. He says, what does love look like? He says, it has hands to help others, it has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy, and it has eyes to see the misery and the want. And if you look at the steps of where our Lord has walked, he's walked with purpose. The Bible says in Isaiah that he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem because he says, I must get to the cross to reconcile my people back to myself. The ministry of little by little with my wife who is not here, the epitome of love is our relationship. Because if you don't know my wife, powerful. She's quiet, but she's powerful. I went through something. We were separated for a number of years. And this picture, or that picture, whatever picture that is, um, this is my, my night on the street when I was homeless. Um, I had to pay a debt to society for a good minute. The day that I got out, I slept on the streets. But I slept with these guys right here. And we slept on cardboard. You see that cardboard back there. But my wife is the one who took this picture. We were no longer together. But she still had love for me. She had love for me. Because of this picture, it started Little by Little Ministries. There's another woman in this room who came alongside of me. She says, hey, I see you. And I see that you have a need and you have a desire. That's Sister Debbie. That was my sister. Sister Debbie came and sat down next to me. I ended up at this rat-infested hotel. And she came and sat down next to me. She says, what can I do for you? Three, four, five months later, she was bringing dinner to a meeting that we had in the plaza. Because the Lord God has saw it fit for me to be able to serve in the kingdom of God. He saw it fit. Not, not my choice. My choice is to sit back and listen to Pastor Shane. But what love says, love says, hey, man, I see you. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to minister to you. These three guys, these two guys right here, this turned into a 125-person church. 125 people was our capacity, all coming off the streets because we went out. We went into the highways. We went into the byways. We said, hey, man, I see you. When did you do this unto me? When did you see me naked? When did you see me hungry? Me and my wife went out into the rain, and we fed the homeless. Because of why? Because I know what it felt like not to know where I was going the next day. I know what it's like to sleep on the street. I know it, it, it only took one day for me. I know I look kind of clean. <laughs> but believe me, I had three things in my backpack. And I'm going to tell you what these three things were. One, I had a cell phone. The other one, I had my Bible. And the other one, I had a pair of drumsticks. And I had a toothbrush. But my Bible is what I stand on. I stand on the word of God. If the word of God says this is what love looks like, then this is what you have to be. There's a lot more to this story, a lot more. But the purpose and the point is faith, love, and hope. Faith, hope, and love. It took all three of those things. I couldn't work off of my own faith because I, I, was, I was losing it because I've never been homeless before. And I was kind of shocked. Me and my wife were sitting at a Denny's one day, and I just started crying. She was like, why are you crying? I said, Chris, I don't know what to do. She says, where <laughs> My wife. She says, Brother Little, where's your faith? I said, I, I got this much faith, the size of a mustard seed. She says, well, what about your hope? I says, and she says, well, just know that I love you. And the love is what catapulted me into the ministry of Little by Little. They catapulted me into the job working at the hotel, changed the hotel around, changed the whole civic center of San Diego, downtown San Diego around. We got an invitation to go to um, Wichita, Kansas to do a speaking engagement because Little by Little somehow got the Nationals' attention from this ministry that I was part of. And when we got there, all I can do was point to my wife. All I can do is point to her. I say, hey, I'm the voice, but this ministry is based off of her love for me. And she has continued to forgive me because the person who I love the most is the person that I hurt the most. And the person that I hurt the most showed me the most compassion and the most love. Even to this day, we fight and we struggle. But she loves me. And when I see her, I see the love of Christ. When I see the church, the church is good to me. And I thank Mr. Parker, who's made a big difference. Pastor Shane, Alex, who brought me to the church. We're here. And I thank you. We'll talk more about this later. But God is good. Love on your fellow neighbor. Amen. So good. Am I good here? So, um, can you hear me? So, just so you know, uh, Lamont's last name is Little. So when he says little by little, can you go to the next picture? 
So I just want to get this real quick because this is Lamont ministering, right? You saw him on the first day when he slept on the street. This is, you know, months and months, maybe years later. He's got his Bible out and he's ministering. Go to the next page. This is his, this is his church in, uh, in a, the, a lobby of a hotel that he worked in. And this place was filled and I got to see it. The last day you worked at that hotel, I got to see it before he went to work for Derek. And I got to see this, uh, and it's incredible. And then a uh, couple months later, we go downtown to have lunch because we were looking for a getting a pita. But we didn't find one. It was a burger. But when we were sitting at lunch, and a gal comes off the street, homeless, rolls up, has lunch with us. We buy our lunch, and she goes, Brother Lamar, when are we going to start another church? She's like, I've already scouted out a building for you right next door. It's available. Let's go. I mean, the impact, right? And, and, and the whole point is... That, that, that we all have an opportunity to be ministers of reconciliation. God's called us all. It's amazing. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the incredible stories that give us faith, that you find us where we are. There's no perfect people here. God, we are messy. But Jesus, it's beautiful when you rescue us, God, that you show us faith, hope, and love, and you invite us to step into that in the lives of people, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.